Blog Talk Radio.
everyone, and welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a Reiki master and certified sound therapist with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion that's already happening online. We do keep an eye on the chat room, so if you have a question, go ahead and post it, and we'll do our best to get your question on air. As an alternative, for those of you who are on the go and you simply cannot continue to listen online, just call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227, and that way you can listen via phone. Or please, if you are driving about, please use your Bluetooth. Before we begin, I would like to thank my friends at AdRunner for spreading the word about Energy Awareness Radio. If you're tuning in from Sussex or Morris Counties in New Jersey, you may have seen my digital ad running in the Jefferson Diner, the Randolph Diner, or at Casamia in Sparta. The company running those screens is called AdRunner, and they have screens in various eateries all across New Jersey. And I must tell you, everyone at AdRunner has been so very, very helpful. Whenever I have changes to my ad, they make the necessary edits, and the ad is up and running the very next day, if not sooner. People have told me that they found out about my show, Energy Awareness Radio, from the AdRunner screens. So I am so very thankful to and pleased with AdRunner, and you can find out more about them on their website, adrunner.co. That's A-D-R-U-N-N-E-R dot C-O. Today is September 11, 2013, and that marks the 12th year since our country was attacked by terrorists. I would like to honor those who lost their lives in the 9-11 tragedies, as well as those who continue to serve this great country, fighting for our protection and our freedom. And I invite you to join me in a moment of silence, and yes, this will be one full moment. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Ironically, and maybe not so much, my guests tonight are Brian and Pamela Chrissy, authors of Common Sense in Uncommon Times. This book was originally written in 2002 after the horror of 9-11, and since that time, both of my guests have been on a quest, if you will, to teach all of us what it is we need to know so we can survive during these uncertain times that we live in. And we are certainly facing challenges we have never even imagined before. And weird is the new normal, and knowing how to survive is key. 
Brian Crissy received his BES in Mathematical Sciences and his PhD in Computer Science from the Johns Hopkins University. He served as a computer specialist with the Joint Chiefs of Staff and worked as a staff member for the National Academy of Sciences Committee on Nuclear and Alternative Energy Systems in Washington, D.C. Taking what he learned about energy choices and risks, he became active in working against the proliferation of nuclear weapons and nuclear power plants in his home state of Illinois. His research into their use and potentially devastating destruction led him to believe that we all need to be aware of our surroundings and know what to do if an unexpected disaster strikes. Brian Tott applied computer science at Illinois State University and established and chaired the computing science department at Linfield College in Oregon. In 1995, he joined his wife, Pam, in directing the Granite Publishing Group, where he is the principal editor, web designer, and technical specialist. And we are also speaking with his wife, Pamela Meyer Chrissy, who over the years has found herself in several serious crisis predicaments, a possible sudden evacuation while living on the island of Cyprus, living within 40 miles of Three Mile Island, and then a year later living within the same distance from Mount St. Helens when it erupted. These incidents convinced her of the need to be ready for unexpected events. She is the president of the Granite Publishing Group, which is a diverse publishing company that she and Brian began in 1991. But before becoming a publisher, she worked for Apple Computer and Tektronics. Pam studied homeopathic healing in Oregon, herbal healing at the School of Natural Healing in North Carolina, and became a chartered herbalist through the Dominion Herbal College in Vancouver, British Columbia, and she is currently finishing her degree in health and healing. And together, Pam and Brian have produced over 55 books, Common Sense and Uncommon Times is their second co-authored publishing project, and that is the book we will be discussing tonight. So good evening, Pamela. Brian, thank you both so much for joining us tonight. How are you being this evening? We're very good, T. How are you? Thank you for having us here. Oh, you know, your book, it's amazing. It is filled with so much information. Uh, There are tip sheets, there are checklists, there are to-do lists, there are preparation lists things that people don't really think about too much until a time comes when they need them. And as I was reading the book, someone asked me, well, how is this any different from a book on, say, first aid or a survival manual? And I told them, you know, it just is. You need to read it because it's so much more than what many of us learned in Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts. It's reality hitting you in the face. And even some of the things that we're currently doing that we think are right and safe aren't. So your book you know, it really should be in every home, almost like a fire extinguisher as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> we totally agree. I, yes, <laughs> I had a very difficult all. time ex- explaining the difference, even though it, to me it's so blatantly apparent. And I'll go to your first chapter, Where Does the New Normal, and I couldn't agree more, because what was normal is now not, and what mm-hmm. is normal now is indeed weird, and we were never taught how to prepare for the weird that is the new normal, and it seems to me... Things are getting weirder and weirder every day. So I was wondering if you wouldn't mind if we could start there with your first chapter, if you'd like to speak to just the fact that, yeah, it really is weird as the new normal. Oh, absolutely. Um, we're still not sure where that uh, inspiration uh, came from. We just started saying the uh, the phrase and it seemed to stick. But it seemed <laughs> like every time we thought we had some idea about what was going on, uh, it would change. And uh, if it wasn't global warming, and it was getting too cold, and then it was getting too dry, and then the earth would shake, and then the volcano would go off, and then the 
the floods in India, and, and then the electricity grid would go off in Pakistan, and, and on and on and on, just something different. And we eventually started um, uh, just joking uh, that this was some kind of a disaster of the day club that we have joined. Mm. And every day it's something different, and you have to. Uh, that's one reason to stay in touch with the news, just to see what the uh, the current disaster is. I mean, you just don't know. Uh, like the other day, um, you watch the news, and here's a fire tornado. I mean, I've never heard of a fire tornado. Where yeah, that's new. Yeah, I mean, what is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have a chapter on preparing for fire tornadoes. Um, but so what next we did, we we just. Um, we just decided to look at the preparation from the point of view of where you are when something weird happens and not concentrating so much on exactly what that weird thing is because it could be something quite different uh, from what you were planning for. So we look at what uh, what you should carry with you on a daily basis. So if you're away from your house and don't have a vehicle, you at least have something in your pocket that's the pocket set and and if you're away from home but you have your vehicle, there's some things that we recommend that you have in the vehicle. We recommend a, um, a thing we call a go-pack, um, a bug-out uh, bag, whatever. It's just enough to keep you going for a day or so if you happen to be stuck with nothing but that. And then there's the cases where you're stuck in your home or you're forced to evacuate from your home. And In those cases, there's uh, different sets of things to prepare and uh, when you uh, see the fire, the wildfires, for example, in the, in the western part of the country, uh, almost every day you see these stories of uh, people having 10, 15 seconds to uh, grab something and get out of town before the fire hits. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the right time to start making a list. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> no. Kind of late yeah, at that point. What's... Yeah, no, What's and just last night there was a fire where people had, you know, 10, 15 minutes to get out, and that's, you have to be ready. You have to That's have your things That's actually a pretty prepared. long time if you're near a fire, because most of the time you don't even have 10 or 15 minutes. So, no. no. You know? Yeah, but you do need to be prepared. The interesting thing was, as as I was reading the book and I'm, I'm looking at all of the things, when you look at the environment, the climate changes, and all of these things that are happening that, you know, you really never thought about before. You know, it's almost like they're saying kids are going to school right now and learning things for jobs that they don't even know are going to exist. Well, we're learning right. to right. take care of things, you know, things right. that we don't know. As you said, whoever heard of a fire tornado, that's a little bit odd, you know. Yeah. But it's interesting in that when you talked about Gaia, who is my friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our friend too. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, it, it, a lot of people don't believe that Gaia is alive. She it's has hard to, to believe be. these days, okay. isn't well, it? Isn't it? I mean, she's supporting so much life. She has to be alive. The earth is definitely alive. And when she gets, you know, sick, she's going to have these eruptions and things. But I think right now she's just really ticked off to the ultimate end, and she's showing us, look, I am going to shake you off like a bunch of fleas, like you said, because, really, we don't treat her well. We're not treating her well and have for years, you know. Uh, Yeah, and it's really – I think that's the thing that makes your book so different. We're not just talking about – you know, you have a Band-Aid and have some ointment and, you know, maybe an epinephrine, you know, an EpiPen if you're, you know, if you're allergic to these things. That's not what this is all about. It's so no. much more because even the things that we think we're doing right, for instance, with the smoke detectors, that amazed me. That mm-hmm. smoke, I did not know they had talking smoke detectors, and I did it not realize that. a difference. Ah, 
That yeah, was we've cool. seen films. It's amazing. I mean, the kids will just sleep through the regular ones. They're they're just deaf to it. And as soon as they heard their mother or father's voice, within 10, 15 seconds, they were up. They're just geared for that. Yep. We train them that way. And right. That was interesting because, as you said, it was like I think 58% of the kids didn't wake up to the smoke alarm, but like 96 or 98% woke up to the parental mm-hmm. voice. I never yeah. knew that. I didn't know. I don't have children, so I probably wouldn't have a need to know that. But I thought that's very interesting. And I did. I don't believe it was in your book. I think it was in a conversation I had with your um, publicist, um, okay. Eileen Dunay. Uh, the yep. book was written as a direct result of 9/11. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? I mean, Pamela, you've been in some pretty unusual circumstances, one right after the other. There's something to that, <laughs> you know. No. What were you so thinking? Strange. Literally within 40 miles of Three Mile Island, and then 40 miles of Mount St. Helens. And when Mount St. Helens went off, um, this was the big eruption, we did not hear anything on the radio for two hours. So, you know, you just had to stand there and watch which way the the plume was going and figure out which direction to go because you had no idea what to do. So, yeah, those kind of things prepared me. But, um, yeah, we originally we wrote this book after 9-11. And so it was geared more towards the terrorist part. And um, when we started doing the revision we thought we know really it's really the weather now the weather is in our face every single day so you know you can prepare either way you know watch for something strange to be happening but really these days it's Gaia I agree with you totally she's um rocking and rolling and I don't think she's going to stop stop anytime soon in uh, July of uh, this summer here in North Carolina we had a foot and a half extra rain Mm mm-hmm a foot mm. and a half. Mm-hmm. We're not yeah. measuring in inches anymore. I mean, it was it was like forty <laughs> days and forty nights. Really? Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that's not just normal. crazy. No, that no, no. But but when you look, I mean, even today it's ninety five degrees here in Connecticut today. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in New Jersey today, in Connecticut it was like eighty eight. Saturday, we're lucky if we're going to hit sixty eight. She's very mad. She's female and she's had it up to here, and she's saying I'm done. And I understand that because I get that way sometimes. So I'm right there with her. I feel for her, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you there, know, there I've are always so looked much. at it, and I have no idea if this is right at all. But you know, when you're healing from something and you've had a fever. And then your temperature goes up and your temperature gets goes down and you're cold and you're back and forth for a while until you settle yeah. out. That's what I really feel she's doing. Yeah, she's got the chill. hot and cold. Mm-hmm. And we, I, yeah. I believe we can help her. I mean, I really do. That's That was why we were feeling so strongly about letting people understand that we're part of the web of life. Yeah. I just had a, had a thought here. Uh, fracking is uh, something like chiggers maybe. Mm. Yes. You know, we're well. digging into the skin mm-hmm. of Mother Earth and, uh, you know, irritating it. Yes. And she doesn't mind when we dig into her to plant things because that helps her and it helps us and it, it's a beautiful cycle to, you know, they get right. carbon monoxide and uh, carbon dioxide and, uh, you know, oxygen and all of that stuff. But, you know, you go too deep and start fracking wells and taking things away from her that right. really she needs, you know, that would be like somebody punching into a vein and drawing out a lot of blood. You know, yeah, you need really, that. I mean, we have really no idea what, why the oil's in the ground. <laughs> we really don't. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we don't. And yet there's a man in Japan, I think it's Japan, who has figured out a way with this small machine that he made that he can take with him on a, an airline carrier, and he takes all old bottles and anything plastic and turns it back into oil because it came from oil. And when right. I saw this ah. video, I thought, yeah. Yeah, are you kidding yeah. me? 
Of course you can change the molecules back. How come nobody thought of this before? Well, they didn't think of it before because it would take too much money away from the big oil makers, and they don't want to yeah. think of it. They don't want to do that, right. you know? Right, yeah. right. Well, but we I need think to start thinking these, that way. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I'm thinking, let's get him over here, you know? I mean, we should be paying him a lot of money and forget about wars everywhere. Let's just pay the people that have the know-how, give them the big bucks to set everything up and put it into place, and we would all be better off, and so would the earth. Wouldn't that be and nice? so would the earth, right. Yeah, yeah. you know, People don't always think that way. But in your book, you have four most common emergency situations that people find themselves in personally. Do you want to go over those a little bit and tell people what that's all about? Okay. Um, the two main headings are like you're either away from home or you're at home. And if mm-hmm. you're away from home, you're either on foot or and without a vehicle or you're in your vehicle. So if you're without a vehicle, that's what we say. Everybody really should carry a pocket set, you know, a little pocket knife, a handkerchief, maybe a whistle, um, so that you can cover your nose and mouth. Like when that train hit in Canada, yeah. you know, even in, in 9-11 in New York City, you know, all of that dust and awful smoke, you know, just you'd have you dampen the handkerchief and put it over your nose and, you know, you get out. Or you're in your vehicle and you're stuck by the side of the road. It could be cold or warm. Um, so you have to adjust your go pack, which has extra clothes, might have some dried food. You always carry water, you know, try to always carry water. And um, a space blanket, and we have a whole list, as you said, in the back for that. Or you have a vehicle box in the back. And you have your pocket set. So you, you can survive for a little. Maybe you have a book in there and you don't have to panic. And if you're at home, um, you're either stuck at home or you have to be evacuated from home. And if you're stuck at home, then we suggest, um, well, you still have your pockets set and you'd have a go pack, but then you have a stash where you put away some um, extra food if you need it. If utilities are out for a week, like when Sandy came, um, if you didn't have to evacuate but you were stuck at home, um, so you can survive a little bit. You have matches, candles, lamps, things like that that you prepare for. Or if you're evacuated from home, that's when you would grab your go-pack and a portable stash where you put important papers, copies of important papers in there. You put some food to survive with, some pet food if you need to take your pets, and some extra clothes, and you grab it. It should be near a door, and you grab it and go. It was interesting in reading that because I, I always thought myself, well, if you have one emergency kit, that's going to be, you know, will suffice for every instance. But it's not true because there are things you don't think about, which is so good that you have these lists because there are things you just would not think about. I myself was without electricity for 12 days in Hurricane Sandy. I did not have to evacuate. But I had filled the tubs with water and ran out after a week. I needed to use that water to flush toilets because we live on a well, okay? Mm-hmm. But I live on a lake, so I'm very lucky. So after a week of... You know, and you, you kind of knew when you needed to flush the toilet. You did not just flush it because. Right. And I, right. You know, so I went down to the lake, and I'm schlepping buckets in the wheelbarrow, up the stairs, into the, you know, into the bathtubs, uh, filling them up again so that we could get through another, we didn't know how long, and it ended up being another right. eight or nine days. Yeah. You know, these are things you have to do, and people don't think sometimes, and, you know, I thought I had it covered. Well, I did, actually, but the batteries had died. Even though they said they were good until 2015, a lot of my batteries were not working. They just wouldn't work. So I actually used my cell phone, called people in Massachusetts that I knew, and had them mail me batteries. Oh, <laughs> because wow. Because you couldn't get them at the store. You couldn't get them. 
No. Mm. And 12 days was a long time for that utility. Mm -hmm. Yes. It was cold, and yet it was really nice outside. I would go outside and take my coat off. I would come in the house and dress up like Nanook of the North. When you went to the grocery store, everybody, you could tell who didn't have, you know, power. We all looked alike, you know. <laughs> we all looked like Nanook of the North. We're really, and everybody else is wearing just regular clothes, and we're, like, freezing. I would go to yoga and wash my hair in the sink after yoga because they had electricity, you know. But you have to, you really have to think that the, the preparedness lists that you have are very, you know, it's not the same thing over and over again. It is for unique situations. Right. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, like the GoPack is good. You know, I never thought yeah. to have a GoPack. Why don't we you tell the listeners what that is? We used okay. our GoPack by the side of the road. We weren't in an emergency at all, but we needed something, and there it was. Boom, we had it. <laughs> we encourage people to use the materials that they put away in their GoPacks and their stashes and so on and then replace it just so they keep them fresh. Just like I was just going to say, yeah. yeah, so that's a good idea to use it every once in a while so you do mm-hmm. have things. I mean, I did check my batteries, 2015. Now, this was 2012, and I thought, hmm, well, this isn't accurate now, is it? <laughs> you know? No. So, yeah, you know, but it de- I think it really depends on where you get them. Some of these great big box stores may be getting the right. tail end of batteries that say that, but they don't function as well. So you need mm-hmm. to, when you know an emergency is coming up, really check that, that type of thing out and have things on hand. You know, it is just critical, and not at the last minute, because everybody rushes to the store to buy all the water. <laughs> I know, it's amazing, and isn't bread it? And, and bread and milk. Mm-hmm. Yep. I call them the French toast people. It's like, oh, we're getting yeah, a blizzard. Right. The French toast people, they're going to make French toast. Bread, milk, and eggs. Bread, milk, and eggs. You know? And, and I laugh, because sometimes I'm one of the French toast people, but that just happens to be my day of shopping. And I think, oh, no, there's a lot of people here. The weather must be going to be bad. <laughs> but what... You know, if it's not a hurricane or a blizzard and it's just a snowstorm, my goodness, we live in the Northeast. This isn't, you know, like, you know, the the, well, the wagon isn't going to come through for two weeks because of a blizzard. It's going to be okay in two days, you know, but right. people do do that. Mm-hmm. But we live in the South, and people do panic if an inch or half an inch falls. Well, sure, you don't have the equipment we have up here. No. No. No, we don't. Yeah. Yep. No. You know, um, one of the things that was interesting was we – in the Northeast, don't typically have earthquakes all that often, and yet in 2000 and I think it was, was it 12? I think it was 12 or 11. I can't remember. We had an earthquake. Oh, it was 2011. We had an earthquake, then we had what we called Snowmageddon. But we did have an earthquake, right. and I remember I was sitting in my office, and I could feel it. And I thought, I think this is an earthquake. And I'm, it's eerie. I don't like it. And I no. went outside, and I couldn't feel it. And I came inside saw the picture shaking and said, oh, I really don't like this. But it didn't last long. But we are not taught in the Northeast what to do in the case of an earthquake. And that is in your book because you talk about, and it's not just for earthquakes, but the triangle of safety. Right. Which yeah. I think That's probably the really, most important thing. Yeah, I think it's vitally important. Would you explain that to our listeners? Sure. What uh, is going on there is that most buildings are constructed out of uh, beams or walls things that tend to be kind of linear or flat. And and when things fall down, for whatever reason, many times these long, flat things like like beams will hold themselves up against something. They'll fall down on something, but they they don't fall flat on the ground. They're leaning up against something. And so underneath these things, if a a wall falls against a, a freezer, for example, there's going to be a triangle of space under that wall beside that freezer, and there's room in there for you to survive for a while. 
typically you'll have at least uh, some air and some uh, freedom from being uh, totally crushed. So mm-hmm. when things are falling apart, uh, what we uh, suggest people do is to uh, look for those in their environment because those are the areas that are going to be safe when you're in a collapsed building. It can even be, you know, uh, between a sofa at the, on the uh, floor in front of a sofa. Mm-hmm. And this is good to know for trees falling too, not just earthquakes. Because yeah. oftentimes, you know, we get all around the country, we get trees falling on our house. And just go for anything that uh, where you're on the floor and there's something higher than you. But a strong thing higher a than you. A strong thing higher than you. A chest freezer is mm-hmm. great. But sofas, your bed, a lot of people get under things, and that's not good. Because it'll fall off. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I've heard if you, if you know something is coming, you know, a storm is coming, turn your couch around to face the wall and lean it against the wall so it's sturdily set against the wall like making a V-shape. And, and you get that triangle. And then if something happens, you can go under there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that makes the V itself, and it probably will, you know, and I thought, oh, okay, that might be good if something doesn't fall through the sofa, you know. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you have that to worry about, too. But then the bathtub thing, everybody says if there's a tornado, get in a bathtub. Yeah, right, right, because of all the plumbing around there. And that that seems to work. I mean, we've seen that work in the Midwest quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, that one little child got in the bath. Well, a lot of people have gotten in the bathtub and survived, especially if you have something Which, padded over you. Yeah, so that always the differences between the uh the the cast iron uh, porcelain type tubs and the plastic ones which don't hold up yeah. very long. Yeah. I was going to say the fiberglass nice ones will just Yeah, that will just be like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz because I always thought how is a bathtub going to protect you? I mean, I've seen trucks go flying in, you know, in tornadoes and yeah. you're right, <laughs> it's because the other ones were right. cast iron and these are now made of, you know, fiberglass, so really I think you have to be a little choosy as to what you're going to uh what you're going to choose to do. We are speaking with Brian and Pamela Chrissy, co-authors of Common Sense and Uncommon Times, and you can learn more by going to their website, www.commonsenseuncommontimes.com. So write that down. There are no spaces. It is simply commonsenseuncommontimes.com. And check it out after the show because you'll find a lot of information there. They conduct educational and spiritual programs at Crystal Creek Center in West Northern, um, Western North Carolina as well. So, you know, go ahead and check them out, and uh, you'll learn a lot. And check out the book, too, because I think it is something that I think it would make a great gift. I really do. I think this is something to give somebody, and, you know, you never know. You might be saving somebody's life. Really? Only only give it to people that you love, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I think you should give it to everybody. Give everybody a fair shot. Maybe they'll change. change. It might change people, you know? Um, Now, one Mm -hmm. You never know. There were there were some interesting things too about, you know, we all go to public events, and when things are really uh, in high climate and everybody's, you know, oh my gosh, we're in orange or red, which I guess they don't do anymore. People kind of pay attention, but there are things we need to be aware of when we're attending public events all the time. And we see the commercials, but the commercials only come out in the Northeast every once in a while. We don't constantly see, you know, if you see something, tell someone. It's not always in front of you. Mm -hmm. So people forget. But what are the things that we need to be aware of when we're attending public events? Well, you know, you definitely need to look for exits and the way way you would get out of a place. Um, We always talk about driving down the road in your car. You're always looking for potential problems. You do it unconsciously. But mm-hmm. when we go into a theater or we go into an event, we just, you know, <laughs> complacent and we forget it. But really, 
I mean, the first thing they tell you in an airplane is where are the exits. First thing you go into an event, how would I get out of here if something happens? And mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, if something seems strange, um, say something about it. And uh, stay away from uh, metal boxes like uh, mailboxes and storage uh, bins of various kinds because those are the places uh, where, where bombs could be uh, most uh, likely left. No reason to be close to such things. Uh, mm-hmm. Try to stay out in the middle. You know, get get out from the uh, the crowds. Give yourself uh, options. Always keep an eye on uh, what what direction you might go if you had to. So, and I think that's why we say common sense, T, because um, you know we don't want people to be afraid. We don't want to be afraid. You know, I don't want to go around in fear about terrorists or the weather or whatever. But if you just take, do a little common sense and be a little more aware, mm-hmm. you can take care of yourself. It is all awareness, too. It's awareness. Yeah. We don't suggest Mm -hmm. that anybody really try to prepare for all contingencies because you don't know what's coming. And if an asteroid hits the Earth tomorrow, it doesn't matter how much uh, food you've put by. (laughs) That's Uh, true. There's things that that, that can come that just uh, cancel all the preparedness. So. And you don't want to say, well, you know, the lights could be off for three years, so I've got to store three years full of food. And then you start thinking, well, everybody is going to be hungry and they're going to come after me, so then I've got to get an Uzi and a tank, anti-tank right. gun, and a, you know. And yeah. pretty soon you're back in some war scenario. I mean, that's that's not the future that we want to be a part of. We just couldn't go there. No. I mean, just, no, that's know, the paranoia, no, you know. No, yeah. No. Yeah. That's definitely I, I paranoia. I mean, there's no. uh, there's there's some uh, good common sense about having uh, some firearms around because we get like out here in the country we get rabid foxes and things. I mean, there are times if the uh, if you need to have some venison for supper. I mean, those things are uh, you know part of uh, what that's all about. But mm-hmm. um, I think rather than trying to protect against your neighbors, I think a better thing is to uh, learn who they are and start working with your neighbors mm-hmm. and see who and- you can depend on. It's really a shame, too, because years ago you'd go to a parade and you'd want to be near the mailbox so you could sit on top of it. You know, you'd want to be near something like that. And now, and so we were never taught that there was a danger with no, that. No, we weren't. So there wasn't much the, in those days. Right. And the common no, sense that, how a, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you it's go ahead. It's a shame <laughs> how a very few people in the world have caused us to change our lives so drastically. We all think of the shoe you know, hammer every time we take our shoes off yeah. and we're flying. Handful, a handful of people in the world. Well, while we're talking about flying, one of the things that's wrong in the book is um, mentioning that uh, as long as your pocket knife is under uh, two and a half inches and doesn't lock, uh, you can take it on board. But that was written at a time when that was just about to be implemented, and then the uh, the Boston uh, bombings occurred, and then the stewardesses got all up in arms about it, and they they retracted it, and they never changed it. So. We didn't we didn't hear that they did not uh, uh, allow it, and so in this le- uh, we were on a on a flight recently, and I just tested it. I took a little thing along, and uh, they said, no, 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 you know, we don't want you hijacking anything, so you're gonna have to take that little, you know, pocket knife, little microscopic po- pocket knife out of my my. I can't uh, believe you tested it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just see, you know, <laughs> is it okay? I mean, can we take this? I mean, you can test along. everything, you, you know. <laughs> That's how I guess. I, I would have been cost, thinking, I'm going to jail. I'm going to be flying by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it cost me 11.95 uh-huh. plus shipping to uh, ship it back to me. So I wanted to know what that 
part of the equation was too, just, uh, general principles. Oh wait, they actually allowed you to ship it back to you? I thought they just took it yeah. away. Oh yeah, they were very nice. You no, know, they were very huh? nice. Most people yeah. aren't willing to pay twelve bucks to mm-hmm. ship something back to them. Right. They just get another right. one. But I wanted to know because sometimes you have something that's just very special. And what I had there was, was something I kind of liked. It was a little multi-purpose tool, but it was only uh, you know inch and a half long and. Uh, Kind of a classic, and I wanted to keep it. So I a great it. thing to have in a pocket set. Yeah, that's, pocket, that's where it came from. <laughs> but not for the airlines. But you know what? It's not wrong in your book because as I went through your book, I saw that, but it also there was an annotation that said, but check with your carriers as the rules do change. So you covered yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. we did. Yeah, I read your book. Everything changed. <laughs> Everything that's changes. That's what the whole book's about. Yeah, it is. Everything well, changes. One of the chapters oh. we have in the latter part of the book is just uh, looking at assumptions that are likely to change, you know, things that we depend on, like like what you mentioned with uh, sitting in a mailbox at a parade. But everywhere you look, I mean, we assume so much. I mean, the kids in college that you mentioned that are preparing for jobs are probably not going to be there in a lot of cases. Uh, just a lot of uh, assumptions. We have to basically look at every assumption we make and consider what, what we might do if that's the one that fails, because they can all fail. That's true. They're all interrelated. Mm-hmm. And you just I think it really comes down to being very, very aware and using your common sense in a way that you never thought you would have to use it before. You really have to have it kick in so that you understand because, I mean, I have always, it's funny when, when you say, you know, uh, look for the exit signs. For some reason, from the time I was small, I always wanted to see how do I get out. Yeah, oh, yeah me right. too. Me too, uh, Teague. Maybe because I'm a little yeah. claustrophobic. I don't know, but I always did. Yeah, well, maybe thing, me too. When, when you're on an airplane, um, you know, of course, you know, the, you find out where the exit uh, rows are, but uh, when, the, if and when the plane comes down, one of the first things that happens is dense smoke and you can't see anything. You can't see the exit uh, lights. And so it's important to count the number of rows between you and the exit. Right. Uh, so you don't depend upon some electrical uh, light uh, shining through fog and smoke. You know, mm-hmm. another thing that just crossed my mind, you know, so many people want to grab too much when they leave in a hurry. Yeah. Whether they're coming off a plane or you have to get out of your house, you know, just be, think about it ahead of time. <laughs> so you right. don't have to potentially kill yourself or harm your children. You know, you don't need to take everything. We put too much value on our things. Anyway, yeah, we do. Yes. Things can now, be replaced. One of, they ask, most things can, yes. Now, photographs might not be able to be replaced. Yeah, but you have that, yep. those are Talk about some you have that. I mean, those yeah. those yeah. Uh, photographs can be uh, scanned and recorded and uh, uh, saved in the cloud or on a on a uh, thumb drive that you might uh, keep in several locations. And there's other things you don't have to have the printed copies anymore. Mm-mm. Right. Um, but at some point, uh, in order to be able to take advantage of that opportunity, you do have to kind of look at your old pictures and say, well, okay, I want to. I want to say what do you want to scan this one and just mm-hmm. go through a process of uh, putting them into some recoverable fashion. Because when you see and people it, going through the rubble of their homes, what are they looking for? Pictures. Pictures or mm-hmm. uh, yes. something handed down. They're not looking for their code or you know something mundane. They're looking for something of sentimental value that will exactly. give them back some kind mm-hmm. of their of themselves. Yeah. They're looking for a piece of themselves. Yeah, so yeah, find, right. you take one cherished thing and, and take that with you. Right. Uh, to me, I, you know, yeah. I, 
I don't do a lot of pictures. I mean, I have pictures in photo albums, and everybody laughs and says, you don't have a digital camera. I don't have a magic phone, so I can't take pictures, uh, any of that stuff. I'm like, you know, it's in my head. Well, what happens when you're old and you forget? Well, if I forgot, then I'm not going to know. So what difference does it make, you know? <laughs> really, you know, it's probably not going to jar my memory. I forgot. So I'm not going to worry about that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just are. take it with me in my mind. You know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you do talk about things that we should carry with us every time we leave the house. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, on a long trip or anything. Every time we leave the house, why don't we review those so the listeners have an idea of how important it is to have certain things with them every time they leave the house? Sure. Uh, one of the uh, things that um, uh, that we suggest is that uh, you you carry a, a large handkerchief or a, uh, a bandana uh, with you because that can uh, save you from uh, dust and gas and poisons in the air and that sort of thing. Sometimes you even have to urinate on it to make it wet if you can't find water, but you can make uh, you can make uh, filters out of that. Uh, we suggest that you carry something on your uh, on your keychain um, that would be uh, you know there's trade-offs. You really want to carry that much weight with you, but you know small uh, multi-purpose uh, tool of some kind that um, uh, would have at least a small knife on it and a um, a uh, little screwdriver of uh, the two main types. Uh, that would be kind of a minimal uh, thing, but you can, you can find them uh, fairly easily. A whistle is a, is a very uh, a good thing to, uh, to have available because if you get into some problem and uh, you need to have people find you, I mean, your voice is going to give out uh, fairly quickly, but a whistle is heard at a long distance and uh, people can find it and lives are, are saved that way. So these, mm-hmm. we're talking about things that you would carry with you, uh, either in your pocket or your purse. Um, and, of course, water. And we mentioned that earlier, uh, carrying some water with you, because that's the first thing that's going to get you into trouble if you're suddenly cut off from all your support systems. You want to be able to have some reasonable uh, water with you. And you know, these, yeah, good. I'm sorry. It's very interesting. You see a lot of women with these absolutely huge purses that look like a suitcase it could be a carry-on and that could be i I don't yeah exactly take out your makeup i mean i put my makeup on in the morning and by one o'clock if i don't look good oh well this is me i'm sorry you know i mean i'm sorry i don't i'm not putting on makeup i'm not tweaking the mascara i'm not Mm -hmm. you know put i don't even wear lipstick and people think oh you know you have to look good you really don't you know, you just have to look Good presentable. So, you know what I mean? You go out, you look Absolutely. the best you can, and as the day yeah. goes on, we wear. Well, that's part of life. That's what we do. Yeah. Take yeah, the crap out of your bag that's all this makeup that costs $400 and put in the things that you might need because that tube of lipstick probably is not going to save you if something happens. That mascara no, is not going to save you. And that tube of lipstick and all that makeup might be making them sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the yeah. chemicals in there. So yeah, the chemicals and a lot of that. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a difficult uh, thing for a lot of people to, to work with. It yes, reminds and me also, uh, going back to uh, 9-11 uh, for the moment, uh, one little thing that instigated our interest in putting together some common sense uh, because it, was, it seemed to be in kind of short supply, but we noticed a trend. Uh, some of the folks that came out of the uh, falling towers were women, and I noticed that the ones that came out and survived uh, had reasonable shoes on. The the nine-inch heel uh, types were stuck in the building. Mm-hmm. I mean, they couldn't run in those heels. I mean, they were very fashionable, but they're dead now. 
No, That's right. I mean, not all, but certainly it must have been easier coming out with so, flat so we're shoes. we're thinking, you know, it might be good as long as you have a big old purse anyway. Uh, why don't you uh, wear shoes that you can move quickly in and mm-hmm. uh, carry your your fancy ones, maybe keep them at the office or something, wear them when you need to, uh, but don't, uh, don't wear them any more than you, you have to because you want to keep that option of being able to run. Or take them off because you can replace shoes, but you can't replace people. That's right. Right, right. That's right. No, it's real right. simple. I don't care if the shoes are $900, which is grossly, freakishly, outrageously <laughs> expensive. But That's hey, some crazy. people like yes, that. It is. You know, yeah. Pay less shoes, you know, twenty nine ninety nine. You know, That's right. <laughs> you can get another pair. <laughs> there were there were a couple of things in your book that I found. Well, one thing I found absolutely frightening. I I know that the New York Times reported for the first time in two centuries that the current generation in America will have a shorter life expectancy. And to me, that is crazy because they should be getting longer, but they're not. Right. Right. Now, that's really scary. Now, it's – and hopefully, um, looking on the positive side, maybe it is improving somewhat, but that's all due to too much sugar too many chemicals in our food, too many preservatives, too much fast food, all the way. It's it's the lifestyle of these young kids, GMOs, BT toxins in the food. And um, if we don't straighten that out, we are handing our children a shorter lifespan. Yeah, it's not a good legacy. That's not a good legacy. And that's the complacency that I just, it's hard to understand that, Mm -hmm. um, People aren't aren't grasping that, and that's part of our separation from the web of life. We think that anything that's produced by these companies and put on the shelf is good for us, and that they, they're they all we trust. Us. They wouldn't hurt us. The trust is oh. crazy. The trust yeah, is crazy. Is. However, you know, in my community, we have a ton of farmers markets all through the winter right. too. Yeah, and I yeah. do my very best to buy locally and eat seasonally, yeah. which is what we're supposed to do. That's and right. And I am. Right, um, and I am the co-chair of the Sussex County Chamber of Commerce Wellness Committee, and we are always educating the community to do this type of thing. So I feel it's a, a huge movement, but I think it's a huge movement across the country. I am yeah, I'm seeing it, it here, and I, am I seeing it accurately? Is it becoming a stronger movement in the way that we no. buy and consume our food? No? No, you're seeing, it, you're seeing it accurately. It really is a movement, and that makes us feel really positive. I mean, more and more restaurants are, are buying food locally. And there is definitely, that's why I started that conversation, there's change. There's really positive change where people that we know who were not aware at all of what was in their food are starting to look at what's in their food and they're changing. And I think this whole back-to-local movement is really going to be there. If anything falls apart, you know, the, the typical system that we've been looking for and living with for so many years, if that falls apart, this local movement is going to bolster it up and keep us going. So I, I see hope there, really do. Yeah, I think there's hope with that, too. Yeah, And we're going to be healthier. I mean, we're going to be yeah. healthier. And, and I know a county. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> in, our, in our small county, um, people got together and revamped an old high school. And we have an agricultural, as we call it our ag center. And we have a little store there where the farmers can bring in their food and there's all kinds of local meat there. There's produce. There's things people make, and it's just a wonderful place. And it's all yep. it's all natural. It's all organic, and it's good. It's good for you. We have lots of farmers markets. Not all of them are organic, but they are. You know, they'll tell you that it's natural and it's grown. They can't get the organic label. Exactly. That's okay because mm-hmm. some of the people I know and I trust them. 
and right. they will make the foods. And, you know, it might cost a little bit more, but you'll find that because it's richer, because of the soil that it's grown in, right. you don't mm-hmm. eat as much. You don't. Right. If, you, if you grow a mm-hmm. tomato in sand, you're not going to get a nutrient-rich tomato. If you grow a tomato yeah. in South Africa, you're going to have a gorgeous tomato. I mean, you can stick your finger in the ground in South Africa and it will grow roots. So, you know, right. it depends <laughs> on the soil, you know, and people don't get that. They think, well, I grow a tomato. Well, look at how lush and beautiful that one is. It's going to fill you up more. So you don't eat as much. So the cost really kind of balances out. And I think that's part of the education process, too. Very much so. And you're going to be healthier, so you won't be going to the doctor. Pay the right Mm -hmm. price for the right food, and then you don't have to pay the doctor later to try to fix you. And Mm -hmm. uh, they aren't doing a very good job of that either. No. Well, and you'll be healthier longer. You'll be able to do more things, you know, so that's good. The other thing that was kind of weird was you mentioned radio frequency soup. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Now, this, now that's a tough ahead. one. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, all these problems are interrelated, and uh, it's it's hard to get them separated out. And there's no easy solutions to some of these things. But um, the thing with the radio frequency is that you've got uh, cell phones. You don't, uh, but I mean, you don't have a smartphone, but a lot of people do. And those signals uh, come to and from the uh, cell phone towers and receivers. And this is uh, this is a form of uh, electromagnetic radiation that is not too far off the spectrum from uh, vis- vis- visible light. And in your body, in the pineal gland in the middle of your head, uh, the pineal gland um, de- it detects whether or not there is visible light. And if there is, it decides it's daytime. And if it doesn't detect it, it decides it's night. And during the night, when it detects that, it releases the uh, melatonin, uh, which is a natural uh, product in the, bo- in the body. And that melatonin then goes around and sweeps up the free radicals, which are a natural byproduct of cell repair. And if you don't sweep up the free radicals, they build up and they cause sick- sicknesses of a wide variety of the kind of things that we see in our society right now. Like cancer. Cancer mm-hmm. and, and all, almost anything you want to talk about is, is related to uh, free radicals. So mm-hmm. what happens with the cell phone uh, thing is that the pineal gland, being an organic uh, gland, is not that uh, adept at tuning in to just visible light and excluding radio frequency. And when you have radio frequency uh, cell phone towers in the area, uh, you hear people saying, "Oh boy, I got four four bars," as mm-hmm. if that's a good thing. Yeah. You know? uh, it's actually not necessarily a good thing, at least for your health, because that level of signal is being picked up by your pineal gland, which says, "Oh, twenty four seven daylight, how cool!" Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have to give any uh, melatonin out at all, and then your free radicals build up and you get sick. So, what we suggest people do is, since we can't very well call up the cell phone companies and tell them to take it all down. Uh, and people probably wouldn't vote for it, you know. I mean, yeah, good luck with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be there. So people should probably consider uh, at least putting a lot of antioxidants into their uh, their diet. Uh, they might even take melatonin. We do that on a nightly basis. It helps with sleep, but it's not. That's not why we take it. We take it to uh, help uh, pull out the uh, free radicals that. Mm-hmm. accumulate on a daily basis, but all kinds of antioxidants, cinnamon, for example, is a very good one, mm-hmm. but more yeah. antioxidants, the better in your diet uh, would uh, compensate a little bit for that. 
Yeah, and the other you thing know, that's going on that we all have is Wi-Fi. It's everywhere. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we all love it. And France, as we understand, just recently banned Wi-Fi in the presence of children. Now, what really? does that tell you? Mm-hmm. How do they do Another that? thing is affecting our children's health is all of this electromagnetic, this radiation floating around the air. That's a difficult chore to do. Wi-Fi is everywhere. very difficult. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's difficult for all of us. I think a lot of yeah. people we've heard are going back to um, wiring up their computers again, and we're going to move to that direction again, too. I mean, that we can do. It's, it's a pain. And we mm-hmm. thought, well, if we need our cell phones to work, we'll turn on the Wi-Fi once in a while but not keep it on all the time. But that's tough. I mean, we like our little um, conveniences. Yes, oh, absolutely. I'm using Wi-Fi right now. I don't have a magic phone, but I do have a regular cell phone. However, I rarely use it. People will oftentimes say, what's your cell phone number? And I'll say, no, nope, don't need it. You can call me on my landline and leave a message or you email me because I'm just not that special that I need to be contacted 24-7. I don't want to be. I'm, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm, just, just I'm sorry. I don't give it out. Just telepath. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's where we need to go. That's then we true. can get rid of this. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. All right, I have a question that I'm sure people are going to say, what is she talking about? (laughs) But, you know, I'm sure people are going to think that just has nothing to do with it, but I think it does. I'm talking about churches. How are they revising their understanding of our dominion over God's creation? Yeah, Yeah, I know. I I was really pleased to hear this because of all people, it is in the book, the big book of we have been given this this, uh, earth to take care of. Mm -hmm. And they are actually stepping up. Um, mm-hmm. There's several organizations now that are um, doing green movements. There's an organization in Western North Carolina that is actually going to join with the people in Asheville against coal this fall. Um, there's a church out in the Midwest who they they dug up all of their grass and they replanted prairie grass because they don't have to maintain it. It's natural. It's part of the web of life where they live. There's another organization that planted oh, hundreds of thousands of trees this um, this spring. So, you know, the, the, I am so pleased to see the Christians rising up to this because they're a force, mm-hmm. and they can make a lot of change. And there were some of them uh, for a while. I'm sure there there are still a good number of them out there that uh, have a rather Neanderthal uh, position on um, uh, taking care of the earth, and it basically goes like this. Uh, we chosen people are going to be raptured up into the skies uh, very shortly, so there's no point in taking care of the earth. Uh, nobody's going to be here. Yeah, that's smart. That's, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. No. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what uh, the good Lord intended. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. And and, I'm and I want to mention it. One, the action. organization is the Interfaith Climate and Energy Campaign. And then mm-hmm. another one is the Methodist Green Church Association. So I, I just give them a lot of a lot of credit. And I see the diversity here in New Jersey across all religions. There are a number mm-hmm. of religions that, whether they are Christian or Judaic or whatever it is, they are, they're really working hard to do do things more naturally. Bring their children. Everybody's yeah. bringing their children up, you know, to eat organically and to know mm-hmm. how to, you know, do the plant thing and 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 really get into it and realize we have to care for Gaia. I think a lot of the religions are moving more towards spirituality. As crazy as people think that sounds, mm-hmm. religions for religions are not really spiritual, and Gaia right. to me is a very 
virtual, yes, and giving back and knowing that if you cut a tree down, replace it with trees or shrubs or plants or something to give mm-hmm. back, she will listen. She will do well by you. Yeah, she, she will. Yeah, and she, she really does. Will. I mean, she does at my house. You know, I mean, I see it all the time in my yard. People come here and, and they'll say things, and I'll be like, "Yep, I know." You know, guy, because I treat her well. I I, mm-hmm. I ask, and I put this here, and then I plant other things, and you know, can I take this out? And you know, uh, it, it seems to work. Um, we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you a question that has nothing to do with your current book because I was so excited when uh, Eileen told me this. Um, I know you have a children's Christmas book as well, and I love Christmas. Yeah. So tell us about the book. I said to her, what's the name of the book? I want this book. And she never comes back book, to me with a name. The name of the book is The Loneliest Christmas Tree. And it evolved from a story that I uh, would tell my kids uh, every every Christmas a uh, few times. It, it, it continued to evolve and change. And uh, it was just such a part of our, uh, our family that uh, and what my – my little boy uh, turned into a an artist uh, illustrator, and so he did the illustrations for it, and I did the the text and put it together, and it's it's available. You can get it on Amazon. We're sending uh, okay. you one. We, we're we're sending you one because you're special. Uh, this, <laughs> I'm really not it, that special. I don't have a magic phone. <laughs> oh yes, you are. But I, I just tell you what the 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 origin of that story was, and that was um, I was driving my my kids around uh, Christmas Eve or something, and here's this Christmas tree lot. And everybody has bought their trees. And then here are these trees. This one had a little broken branch, and this one didn't have a, a perfect top. And my heart just went out to these trees. I mean, they lived their whole life for this moment, and nobody chose them. And yeah. and, and the Christmas tree lot where there's only one tree left. I mean, It's sad. <laughs> it's the Charlie yeah. Brown tree. Pardon? It's the Charlie Brown tree. <laughs> Yeah, more or less. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Except uh, in the story, that one gets uh, given to a bum to burn because the mm-hmm. loneliest Christmas tree was still green. Okay. Yeah. Don't tell me. But, it, it, but it, 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 it turns out okay because uh, Santa rescues okay. the tree. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, Santa's in it too. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Everybody knows if anybody's on this call that's listening and knows me, they're like, oh yeah, she's a crazy Christmas person. This woman, because I tell people all the time, when I die, no, I'm not going to heaven or hell. I'm going to the North Pole. I will be the next Mrs. Claus. It's just the way it's going to go. All right. Like, oh my God, she really believes that. I say, yes, I do. That's great. <laughs> You know, this show could go on for hours. You two are a ball, and, and, uh, and you have so much information to, to give yeah. to us. There's so much to talk about. And I really yeah. must stress this to the listeners, that this book that we are discussing, Common Sense in Uncommon Times, Survival in a Changing World, it is all-encompassing. It is more than a survival guide or a first aid manual. It is a must because your eyes will be opened wider than you have ever imagined, and you will learn things that will make a difference to your life and everybody else's life that you touch. I look at it as required reading. Uh, Brian and Pam, before you go, would you tell our listeners how they may learn more about you and your work and how they may purchase your book, Common Sense and Uncommon Times, Survival in a Changing World? Certainly. The, the, uh, the best site all about the book is commonsenseuncommontimes.com. And there's a discussion forum there and uh, resources and links and all kinds of things. The book is available at all Barnes & Nobles in the world, and they selected this book to uh, uh, to celebrate it a bit at the end of a principal aisle along with some other uh, preparation books. So they should uh, find it there. And 
as most people do, uh, you Amazon. go to Amazon and uh, you buy it, you know. So right. it's, it's widely available. It's uh, inexpensive. Or your local bookstore. but uh-huh. um, Yes. Whatever convenient. Right. Uh, well, thank you both so much. You know, listeners, we need you to spread the word. Every week I tell you that we know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, and I ask you to share it with your friends. But this week I am stressing it in a very big way. This could save your life and the lives of your family, members, your friends, your associates, everyone. So send the link to the show. And you know what? You don't even have to do that. Send the name of the book to everyone, Common Sense in Uncommon Times, Survival in a Changing World by Brian and Pamela Chrissy. This would be a probably the best random act of kindness you could ever do for someone. And, you know, take it a step further if you want. Don't just tell them about it. Go out and buy the book and give it to them. It might be the greatest gift that you ever give. You just don't know. So, again, Pam, Brian, I do so much appreciate you both taking time to be here with all of us tonight. It's really been so informative and enlightening and fun. And with a very grateful heart, I truly do thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having us, Keith. You are quite welcome. On behalf of every... Oh, yes. Don't be scared. Be prepared. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Don't be scared. Be prepared. There you go. Right. Right. Good mantra. Good mantra. (laughs) On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this evening. My name is T Love, and I hope you'll be back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. So go ahead and get out your calendar and make a note of it now, so you remember to tune in next week. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You will find an archived list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting throughout the year, including the Quartz Crystal Singing Bowl concerts. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. Have a good night.